1: Well, hello and welcome, everyone. You've made it to the China shop. Step on in. We got the doors wide open. I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle?
0: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I had a nice day trading. Oh,
1: fantastic. I did too. It felt felt good to have a nice day for once, right? I know, right? (laughs) Oh. Hey, we got a crazy episode today. This is this is wild.
0: Yeah, this one's exciting because they reached out to us. This is the first CEO we've got on that came to us. That
1: came to us. Oh, we are very, very honored to have the one. Yes. The only James McInnes from Oddburger. How
2: are you doing today, James? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm are excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks for showing up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're afraid you maybe you didn't know what you're signing up for. i
2: would not be a very good CEO,
0: I guess. So <laughs> I try to show up for meetings these days. So you are the founder and CEO of Odd Burger, which is a plant-based uh, uh, fast food chain.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. In Canada, correct? Right? Yeah, we're in Canada right now. Uh, soon to be expanding to the U.S., but yeah, we're. I uh,
0: thought I saw you had a location coming up in New York. Do you know, have a time
2: frame on that? Yeah, we're we're we're, uh, we're still looking for sites there, but uh, yeah, we're looking really hard and and uh, hopefully we'll get one soon. But I mean, the plan the plan is to enter the U.S. market. Uh, I mean, either in New York or somewhere else, but. Uh, We're going to get there as soon as we can. Seems like California would be perfect location for you guys for for that business. For sure. Oh yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Yeah. Get get a Berkeley location and you will make some money. I assure you. Oh
2: uh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No. We we, we gotta <laughs> we gotta get there. I mean, um, but uh, but you know, there's 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 so many uh there's so many amazing spots to go in the states, and uh, I think that I think the East Coast is uh is kind of uh, lacking a little bit in the uh, vegan fast food sector. So we're kind of like, we'll, we'll start there, and maybe we'll head uh, out.
0: I'll, I'll translate that for you dan he doesn't need our advice
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so
1: is is the fact that there was like kind a, of a hole in that industry is that what drew you to a vegan based fast food place i like how did you start your journey into odd burger
2: oh man yeah it, it started like it started a long time ago actually um and, and it, it didn't start in fast food um we actually started like just selling like fruits and vegetables um to be honest um like i went vegan like um Gosh, maybe like eight years ago now. And, um, you know, I saw like a lot of health benefits to that and like just felt really good. And I just um, decided to start kind of like this grassroots organization from like my kitchen Slash garage, you know, yeah. just like in every startup, I guess <laughs> everyone, everyone starts in the garage. <laughs> so I guess I'm no different. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it actually did start in my garage. And um, but yeah, we were we were, I was running kind of like this like secret fruit club, I guess like not kind of like Fight Club, but <laughs> but secret fruit club. I love that. <laughs> and people were really into it. Actually, it was like because I was I was basically connecting with directly with farm like local farmers, and we were like getting people like bulk produce, and you know, we had a lot of people that were into juice and like just like healthy eating and they were like buying boxes of oranges and boxes of bananas and stuff like that and there was this whole like subculture of like these people who were like smashing a lot of fruits and vegetables in so um i didn't you know i mean i guess i didn't really realize that subculture existed but but i guess it it did and uh and we tapped into it and it was kind of cool because we just we had like a lot of people coming out and before i knew it we were just um you know kind of outgrew my house and we got like a warehouse and we we were doing like more of it um and then, you know, it kind of went from there. I mean, the progression was we did a lot of like a, like a lot of a few things in in the meantime, but um that's that's how it started. So how
0: did you how did you make the leap to the fast food then from from that cuz that sounds like two completely different businesses? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you, you, you kind of think, right? Um, well, actually, so we, we ended up, I mean, it, it grew a lot. And we just had like a lot of people who were like eating, we were, we were always like a vegan organization from day one, just because, you know, the whole reason I started is because I kind of went vegan. And it was like a big, like life change for me. And I wanted other people to kind of like, see the benefits of this kind of lifestyle. So we I ended up getting like a farmer's market. And we were serving, like, homemade veggie burgers there. And people, Mm -hmm. like, really were into them. And uh, because at the time, this is, like, 2015, maybe um, 2014, 2015, it was actually hard to find a good veggie burger at the time. And people were coming out and, you know, shopping at our market and eating our burgers. And they're like, man, like, this is you guys make some good food like you guys should you know do more of this and you know we did we, we started making meal kits and we developed a whole bunch of recipes and we noticed that the, that the meal kits that were most popular ones that were like kind of like um, doing takes on traditional fast food and mm-hmm. people were like really like hyped about it so we um, from there we got a food truck and the food truck uh, was super popular we actually brought the food truck to um, uh, we went to a meat festival uh, rib fest 2016 oh that's dangerous that's ballsy
0: wow that's ballsy
2: <laughs> and we were like we were like we're gonna bring this vegan burger <laughs> we're gonna bring this vegan burger to uh <laughs> which we called it was a take on the on the mcdonald's big mac actually but right. um we called it i called it the big mckinnis at the time and uh mcdonald's didn't like that too much actually <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and they actually sent me a cease and desist and they're like you can call it whatever you want, just don't call it anything mick (laughs) oh that's bullshit so uh anyway we we kept selling it we 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 were like you know i wasn't about to fight mcdonald's with a uh (laughs) you know we we were (laughs) pro startup at the time so i still i still don't want to fight them but um uh but anyway so we we were just like um we we ended up renaming it the famous burger later on but um but yeah so we brought this we brought this burger there and people were just going wild for it um because they'd never had like a vegan version of like uh, fast food classic item like that, so we ended up selling out at Rib Fest, and the rib vendors were like, "What is going on? Like these vegans are taking over our festival! Like this is totally outrageous!" <laughs> <laughs> like they were so pissed, <laughs> they were so pissed off, and they're you know They're taking our <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were like we had like megaphones out, and we're like you know like just I mean it was just a it was it, it was fun, it was really fun, That's awesome. Um, we had partnered with a with a local vegan uh, charitable organization at the time, like an activist group. And they were doing all their activist stuff, which is you know that's always fun too. And um and we were doing the food, so it ended up being a great collaboration. And this kind of like kicked us, and this kind of kicked us off into the fast food thing because mm-hmm. we're like you know yeah fruits and vegetables are fun, they're exciting, but not they're not like it's not like eating you know your favorite fast food menu item that's veganized. There's something really that connects with people. Um, with that obviously otherwise we wouldn't be selling out right so yeah so we kind of just went down that road and we we ended up uh, getting a restaurant i closed my market and that kind of kicked us off into fast food hmm.
0: so what what uh what do you focus on when you're making a plant-based burger then because i think one of the things that's always thrown me off from from anything vegan has always been the texture yeah of the the meat itself yeah or, for sure or the the substitute Uh, But I think if people focus, when they focus on the texture, then I don't nearly mind it as much. It's weird. It's weird that the flavor isn't as important as the texture. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think whenever you're looking at food, you know, it's, it's going to kind of have it all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because you can have good texture and if the flavor sucks, you're not going to want to eat it again. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm kind of like good foods, good food. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you are making something that is like super mushy bean burger, like people aren't going to love it. You know, right. and vice versa, if you're making something, you know, that is super highly processed, like, say, like, uh, you know, um, some of the other plant-based substitutes out there, then people are also, you know, potentially not going to feel good about eating it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you'll like the flavor of it, but you'll be like, I don't know, like, what's the difference between eating that burger and just a regular burger? Like, honestly, yeah. there's no difference. So, there's kind of like a balance there. And I think, I think we are really in that sort of like sweet spot where... Mm-hmm. We primarily use like more natural ingredients, but we still manage to make them have like a great texture and a great flavor. And so that you really don't feel like you're missing out on anything and you can feel good about eating in. And I think that's kind of like a secret to our success is like we're really in that middle ground. And the only way that we're able to do that is because we make all of our own food. So mm-hmm. we have like a food manufacturing company now, and it's like a separate division of our business actually, and and it just focuses on the food tech and the and the R and D and the scaling of the manufacturing, all that kind of stuff. And it's really a, that is really the heart of the business, right? Because all the food kind of comes from this this um, this manufacturing operation, and it gets distributed to our restaurants. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of like I, I couldn't agree with you more though. The the, the texture is a huge component of it.
0: Uh, you mentioned the manufacturing uh, that you guys do for your own. So does that, is that going to slow you down when it comes to opening up new franchise locations or do you have the capacity already built for, for a much larger uh, footprint?
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean the cool thing, the cool thing, I think the way that we have designed our manufacturing setup is it's. It's designed to be a distributed manufacturing model. So traditional manufacturers, they build these really huge plants and they have like, it takes them years to build it. And, you know, they're massive, like monolithic sort of things. And, you know, if you want to get a veggie burger down to Texas, well, you got to ship it there. Right. Right. So, and that's problematic for a few reasons. And like, like number one, I mean, you know... Being a company that cares about the environment, which is obviously we do being plant based and all that kind of stuff um we at the same time we want to do everything we can to be environmentally responsible and to try to like look at that distribution model because if you're making food here and you're shipping at five thousand kilometers away um then you know what what are you what are you really accomplishing with that uh, and is there a better model <laughs> you know so <laughs> Um, Excellent point. <laughs> and, and again, you know, in another argument sort of against the plant-based industry, people people say, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm eating my local meat and it's, it's the chicken grew, you know, next door. And I think that's way better than shipping a plant-based burger from halfway around the world. And it's hard to argue with some of those arguments, right? Mm-hmm. So, we we need to be better, I think, in the plant-based industry. We need to, like, you know, continue to innovate. So, Dan, to answer, go back to your question, Basically, our, our our expansion model is based on creating these, they're called commissaries. And a commissary is just basically a big kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like setting up a restaurant in a way, except you have no dining room and you have no customers there. But essentially, it's a, just a really big, huge kitchen. And the cool thing about setting up a commissary is that like you can build them like quicker, they're not as expensive to build, and you can build more of them and have them sort of running all over the place. So... Hmm. So our plan is to kind of use this commissary model because a lot of the equipment now, not all of it, but a lot of it, we can, we can sort of order off the shelf. There are a few, there are some custom stuff that we developed as well that we bring in, but, um, but you know, a lot of it can be set up quickly and easily. And I think this is, this is how we plan on sort of expanding quickly and, you know, going to like all these different geographic areas and that kind of stuff. Sorry. lost my train of thought there. I had a question lined up. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much the, that's the, that's the (laughs) the manufacturing model. And, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool.
1: So it sounds like your business grew organic, just like your products. For
0: sure. That sounds like a tagline. Totally. (laughs) 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 So uh, when did you open your first restaurant?
2: Okay, so we, yeah, we opened our first location. It'd be like the end of 2016. And at the time, it was Canada's first vegan fast food restaurant. Mm Mm-hmm. That we opened, so that was pretty cool, and there was like a lot of excitement about it. Because again, a lot of people that had been in our food truck and had been to the festivals, they came out, and we started developing the menu. A lot of it was based on our the the meal kits that we had had created. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, we started, and I mean, again, we were just we were making the food in the restaurant at the time, so we had a kitchen in the back, and we just made it there.
0: So you started in sixteen, then. So obviously, twenty twenty and now has probably been pretty trying as far as the restaurant industry goes. Like, how have you shifted your philosophy in order to still maintain a positive outlook?
2: Well, you know, it was really crazy because you know, for us, uh, and again, I mean, I guess this is a lesson in, in entrepreneurship. It's it's pretty crazy, but mm-hmm. we we in in twenty seventeen. so 2018 Mm -hmm. uh one of our locations in london ontario there was road construction and the and our and our street got like shut down and basically you couldn't you couldn't even get to a restaurant it was like you know it was like you couldn't park in the street and and it was like super devastating and as a restaurant owner you're like man this is like so tough how are we going to survive this right like this is just brutal revenues getting cut in half that kind of stuff similar things to what happened with COVID, right similar type of thing and actually it was crazy because that experience actually got us ready for COVID. And we we did a whole bunch of changes at that location so we could survive as a business. So some of those hmm. things were, for example, we put in like self-checkout kiosks because we had to figure out how to run a restaurant with one person because the labor, the the labor cost would have been too high to run hmm. like to run the way we were operating before. So we had to think like, like, man, how are we gonna like how what are we gonna do to like operate this as one person. So we spent like a ton of effort and time figuring out like, uh, how are going to do that? And this is where we started developing what we coin now as the smart kitchens. And their smart kitchens are basically like a largely automated kitchen. I mean, in the future, they're going to be completely automated or, or, or pretty close to it. But right now, um, uh, they're, they're largely automated. And the idea there is, is that you, know, you can run a restaurant with just one person. And mm-hmm. so we, we actually spent tons of time, tons of research and R&D and got all new equipment. We got rid of our grill. We got rid of our uh, cashier station. We totally transformed this restaurant. We created this concept model because of this road construction. And so when we opened our location in Toronto, we already had self checkout. We already had this new model. So when the pandemic hit, you know, um, it wasn't a big deal for us because we were, and we were used to running a takeout only business and running super lean. It
0: actually sounds like you're perfectly positioned for
2: it. Oh, we're totally perfectly positioned. And we were already like a takeout business, right? right. Whereas all these other restaurants, they had to become a takeout business, which is so hard. If you're like a standard restaurant, like if you plate something on a plate and you're like, hey, this is like, 25 bucks you know when you put in a car bar box it doesn't translate very well necessarily (laughs) you know what i mean because it's like (laughs) i'm paying 25 bucks for this like the 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 value of when you're getting something delivered like you're just the expectations are are different you know you you Mm. want more for less and you know you're not really it's you don't want like a fine dining experience at home um certainly don't want to pay for it so so we were really really well positioned for that and during the pandemic there was like you know a lot of there was like you know meat shortages and all these kind of things and the plant-based industry industry was kind of taken off um for a few reasons and so we, we developed this really lean model and you know we we had already uh, our toronto location already was very small like like around a thousand square feet and uh so very very little seating and so hmm. we just took the net like now our restaurants have no seating they're just take right. They're just like, honestly, they're just like take out and deliver only super small, like less than a thousand square feet, like super lean, super tech focused. Um, And, um, you know, and, and so the the pandemic for us was uh, we didn't, we did well. We actually did really well in the pandemic, even though we're a restaurant. People are like, "Oh, you guys must have been really tough for you guys." I'm like, "Not really. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> super easy. We just kept doing what we're doing." I mean, besides the 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 issues with like you know making sure your staff staff are safe and public yeah. health stuff, but there were a few adjustments, but way less than compared to other restaurants. So, are you using like the uh, like the
0: automatic burger flippers that I've seen, like kind of getting trial runs in California or?
2: Well, yeah, no, actually we're, we're developing all of our own robotics now. So, um, um we, we're, we do not like for us though, those, those things are okay, but they're more designed for like a traditional restaurant right. where you're, where you're cooking on traditional equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of our stuff, like we don't even have a grill, for example, like, it goes into like this special like machine that you like just press a press a button on it and a burger comes out in like a minute, totally perfectly cooked. Huh. Um, so we, But we're looking at like actually like automating the restaurant. So it's almost like an assembly line right? Where, where a burger will get automatically come out of a dispenser, it'll get cooked, it'll go and get garnished, it'll then get wrapped and it comes out the other side and, you know, and then goes to the customer. So the idea, I mean, the ultimate goal is like no touch food preparation um, on equipment that is just built for that, built for speed. Um, because the, the Robotic robot Flipper is like, they're kind of like, the idea there is to replace a person, but what we're right. talking about is, I think something m- much more advanced than that.
0: Um, what's yeah. the, uh, what's the, what's your, your oh, what what's the right term for this? How often do you get the orders right? <laughs> if you're automating it like that, I imagine it's going to be a lot better. It's
1: the accuracy level.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, like we're, we are not there yet. It's, the, these are things that are like, some of these things are still in development, you know, it's, it's things that we're working on. So, um, I don't want to kind of get your hopes up and be like, "Hey, we're we're the old robots." <laughs> so, um, I'd be yeah, going we, just to see it. Yeah, yeah. We still do have people right now, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, and and honestly, I think people are important still to have, you know, because mm-hmm. the thing at the end of the day, what I my vision is to is I want our staff to be connecting with customers. And to be like educators and to be like answering questions and to be out there, like talking about our menu and talking about the brand and talking about our vision, instead of having our staff, like behind the, like in the kitchen, like flipping burgers, like something that a robot could do, have them talking to customers, give them the like the communication skills and have the, all the soft skills, things that like, cause you gotta remember, like, I mean, for now, I mean, People are people, right? Right. I mean, the people walking in the door—they're human beings. They want to. They most people want some sort of interaction,
0: you know. Well, how often do people scream at their uh, their phones for an operator? I mean.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's That's a totally so good example.
0: Human interaction is still important. <laughs>
2: totally right. So, I mean, our goal is is not to like cut out the person, it's to really make people like connect in, into a different role where our people are connecting with other people and make them like educators, facilitators, like brand ambassadors, that kind of stuff, right? Not just like, you know, someone who's like something that a robot could do. So um, so I mean, yeah, this is the vision. I mean, we're, we're in a transition over to that state of course but um but right now i mean for example like we haven't burned a burger in like 2 years as an example <laughs> like we haven't had one we haven't had one complaint of a burger that's been burnt you know um or or undercooked or overcooked or whatever right, right. because everything is programmed you know, so it's, it's really easy for the staff. They can just like push a button to get it out. Um, you know, yeah, there's still like right now, like obviously, you know, maybe a staff member forgets to put on like a tomato or something and you can still get human error, right? And that, right. And that's, you know, you can, you'll never avoid that unless, unless we, we really automate that process. So, I mean, that's the goal eventually is to be this like really futuristic, you know, fast food chain of the future where, you know, where the idea that you can get your order the same anywhere you go. You know, mm-hmm. like, imagine, like, imagine creating a burger and saying, like, hey, like, I'm going to create a burger I want it, like, like, uh, 3.2 mils of sauce, uh, you know, f- six pickles, um, l- you know, double lettuce, and, and, uh, and you can save that under, like, a profile, you can get that made at any location, actually right. identical, like the same burger, like, Oh, that's beautiful.
0: Like, right? Yeah. and Im- Yeah, that's one of the biggest things I think that I have with uh, most places that you go out to eat is just the repeatability. You go get a totally. completely different experience in two different locations. Exactly. Or even when a different cook is right. There. Exactly. A
2: different cook. There's like, Oh, I'm going to go this one. Like a good staff or yeah, that one has good staff or
0: I'll even ask who's working. And
2: right. Who's exactly.
0: The, what's the schedule next week? <laughs>
2: totally. <laughs> sure it's it's a, it's a real thing. Cause it's like, <laughs> Oh, there's like a one, that one girl, like she makes it perfectly or the one guy, you know, like they make it perfect. Right. So it's kind of like, um, but again, I, the, I, I think I think people in, in the fast food industry and I, I'd argue in almost every single food experience, you really want to get the same thing as you had last time. If you enjoy a meal, mm-hmm. you're just looking to get the same thing again some, at some point in the future, whether it's fine dining or not, whatever it is. And it's so hard to get that because if the chef leaves or the chef's sick or they're having a bad day or they forgot or whatever, you know, and it's so hit or miss. And that's just, that's just, that is the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And as restaurant owners, and operators, we're always trying to like you know do more training and do more like mentorship and you know put more quality control checks in place and that kind of stuff and although you know all that stuff really does help in the end of the day people are people you know and mm-hmm. they're not perfect and we can't expect them to be perfect and you know and i think um i think that's where the automation aspect is is going to be huge um for us i really want a smart kitchen <yeah>.
1: Uh, i i just i'm i'm so in love with the idea of being able to program the way the burger the exactly the way i like it and then to just go in any location and be like yeah give me a dan give me my burger
2: <laughs> right yeah totally whether and 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 to be like like man that's, that's my burger like that is it's actually like i but this is the burger how i want it it's made how i want it it's like perfect every time and
1: completely consistent that consistency is so critical to me
2: Completely, whether you're in LA or New York or Paris, like you're getting that s- exact same experience. And I mean, this is, I mean, again, this is what other chains, this is, th- I think this is why fast food is successful, mm-hmm. right? I would argue, why is McDonald's successful? Is, is there food like exceptional? Is there something, you know, I mean, no, at the end of the day, when you have a Big Mac, it's cheap, it's fast, and it's repeatable. Yeah. If you, you can have a Big Mac and it's going to taste the same whether you're in California or New York right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it's all about. It's like, you know what you're going to get when you walk in there. And same as any other, I mean, you can say the same thing for pretty much all fast food. And I think that's why fast food is successful because people want to know that they're not going to be disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. I mean, sure, you can still get disappointed in a fast food restaurant. Like, yeah, things do happen, but it's, it's less likely. Well, people, people use fast food too, less when they crave
0: something and more when they just don't want to make something at home.
2: Yeah, and you're just on the run,
0: and you're just like you know what you're gonna get, and I know what it's gonna taste. Get something that you know, yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah,
2: all that, right? It's so it's not gonna be
0: amazing, but it's still gonna be it's gonna be good enough.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it's gonna hit the spot. It's not gonna be expensive, right. like you know, pricing price point's huge too. I mean, that's a huge oh, yeah. factor as well. So I mean, that's another thing that we that I think you'll find that differentiates differentiates us from like other vegan restaurants, um, you know, because because plant based uh, plant based uh, food is is generally um, People look at it and they, they think it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it's like, oh, it's kind of a specialty item. It's like you think of the word gluten-free and automatically you think, oh, that's, that's got to cost more. You know what I mean? Right. And I, and I think plant-based also has kind of uh, gotten that same type of reputation. Um, not sure why, but, but uh, we, um, you know, again, we, we, we pretty much price match other fast food.
0: Well, a lot of it, too, you got to think is going to be just on how normal it is. I know you got to be careful using that word these days, but the more infrastructure you have around it, the more demand for it, the cheaper it should become.
2: Yes, absolutely. And it's, to be honest, it's all about scale, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we make we make our burgers now with the same ingredients that we did before, except we have equipment that can make like thousands an hour. Right. Instead of. Instead of hand forming them or whatever, um, you know, and, and I think like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's how it's, how it scales, right? You, you need to scale to compete. So we knew that we had to, you know, really get into that manufacturing side to compete. Um, and, you know, that's why, what's why we, we really focus on that. So are there
0: anybody, any other fast food, vegan restaurants competing with you? I think the only thing I've ever seen is like uh, the uh, Burger King had a, a plant based Whopper, short lived. I don't think it lasted very long. I've I not seen another fast food place that's completely vegan.
2: Yeah, like there is one in California. They're called uh, Plant Power Fast Food. So they're mm. they're one. I think they have around ten locations or so. There's a, there's like one in UK as well called Meat Burger. Um, there's no one really significantly in Canada here. Um, on any kind of big size, um, mm-hmm. those are the those are the, you know some of the biggest, and they're still very small, right? Relatively speaking, right? Tiny, teeny, tiny uh, companies, just like you know, just like we are. We're still in our infancy, I would you know I would say, um, but but you know we we are really kind of now like set up to scale, and that's we've really focused. We we've, we've taken our time to grow, and we really focused on our infrastructure, our training, our consistency, our model. Um, so that we can really like scale quickly. Uh, and that's kind of what we're set up for now is through our franchise model and all that kind of stuff, um, is to to scale quickly. Well, I
0: think you just answered my next question, which is gonna be how do you how do you stop yourself from going too fast?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I think um I mean I think the answer to that question is 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 important because you know, again, we we've really um you have to be careful not to mm-hmm. go too fast because the problem when you go too fast is that you you could all of a sudden have a really bad launch. You can have a bad restaurant. You can start getting a bad reputation. You can, you know what I mean? Now you have to go back and fix it and you have to fix it anyway. And uh, I've seen this with other chains. I've seen other chains grow too fast, too quick. And mm-hmm. they don't have the management, the proper manager structure in place and all the team in place. They don't have the processes in place so much that, and that stuff just takes time, you know, and, and you, can't, uh, you can't just snap your fingers and make that overnight. So, um, you know, again, we've really tried to pace our growth Because the demand is there, you know, like we can put up a thousand locations across North America, no problem. Mm -hmm. Like the demand is there. But, you know, the question is, is like, you know, can you do that and not fail and not totally screw it up? Right? Like with all of a sudden now we can't supply the restaurants or all of a sudden... You know, um, you have really bad quality, and you don't know why, and you have, you don't have the systems to control it, and you know all that stuff. So, you no, know, we've really focused on like all the monitoring tools. Like, you know, we have like like our restaurants are totally managed remotely. Like, we have remote monitoring of every fridge and every freezer, hmm. uh, just just so we know that like, hey, is the food, you know, is the food safe to eat? <laughs> right? right? Like, <laughs> uh, like you know, if you have a restaurant four thousand kilometers away, I mean, how do you know? You know, I mean, but we but we can look back and be like, hey, listen, like yeah, here here are the temperature sensors in that freezer for the past two months. You know, we know that the food has been kept at a safe temperature, and really focusing on safety and focusing on on you know doing things right is so important. So, um, so yeah, I mean, on the growth side, you know, we um again we're we're kind of go- going into, you know high growth mode right now, you know, and we we hope to stay in that mode for for here on you know from, from now until eternity so right because <laughs> i think we're we've spent enough years sort of like uh figuring out the you know the system and that kind of stuff
0: can you you mentioned the management team uh, do you have uh can you tell us a little bit about who you've who you've got running the, the key locations.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so uh, like the, I, the, the, the company started with myself and my wife, actually. So my, my wife, she's the co-founder. So mm-hmm. she's uh, the COO. Uh, her name is uh, Leah McInnes. And she, so she is, you know, critical obviously to helping the business run efficiently. Cause she's like an, an unbelievable manager mm-hmm. and team builder. So, um, but uh, so then, then basically, um, we have uh, you know director of operations, and they uh, they sort of manage the operations of the store. We have a production manager, and he manages the production side. And um, and then we have like our marketing team, and they really f- focus on the marketing. But but other than that. You know, the, uh, there's, there's you know lots of other financial people and uh, our CFO and other people that are that are key to the business, of course. But on the operations side, um, basically there's a there's a there's a manager at each store, mm-hmm. and then there's like an ops manager who runs. Like multiple stores so that's right. kind of like the model and the idea here is that uh, that we can take this model and we can put it like a franchisee in this place so a franchisee would then potentially act either as a manager or as an ops manager where they can run multiple stores because our goal is to get franchisees to be able to run multiple locations mm-hmm. so that's why we built these five corporate stores so we could basically know how to run a bunch of spots um, in different cities geographically diverse locations, uh, easily and be able to like show someone else how to do that. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the, the, sort of the corporate structure open place. Um, looks like you guys are listed on the
0: Toronto stock exchange, uh, symbol ODD.V. dot V. Is
2: that correct? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. We're on the, exactly on the, uh, so what today? was the yeah. process of
0: getting actually listed on the exchange? Like, what did you actually have to do in order <laughs> to get on there?
2: Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it's probably not something I would, I would do tomorrow again. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, like if I had any hair left, I think it'd be, uh, it all be gone by now, but it's, <laughs> it's a, um, you know, taking a company public is a crazy experience. I'll, I'll just say that. And I'm super glad we did it mm-hmm. uh, when we did. And I think we, we, we sort of went in, it, it's, it's a combination of things, but it's timing is everything, um, especially in, in the stock market, as you know. Right. Um, you can do the right thing at the wrong time. You can be the best company in the world. But if people don't want that now, then it doesn't really matter. Right. So, right. Um, so but, but we, um, the, part of the reason that we, we went public was that we really, um, you know, f- 52% of the company is owned by myself. And my wife so it's we're founder owned and founder mm-hmm. led organization right and um so i mean that's a lot of shares like 43 million shares or something we have um out of 82 million outstanding so um and for us um th- the biggest thing was that we didn't have this like vc sort of like influence i would call it that a lot of other startups have because mm-hmm. what you see in other startups is that I think this is just you go into the startup world, right? You, you get one VC the next round, you get three more. The next round, you get five more. Then next round, you get all of a sudden, you know, you own five percent of the company. And although it's great because right. maybe eventually that company goes public, and you know, you have five percent of a billion dollars, which is still awesome. Um, but you know, for us, um, my my biggest concern with doing that was that we're we are like. We're this like ethical, mission-driven company. Mm-hmm. And I was always really worried about bringing in like this external VC control because I had seen that before. Like in my previous company, I'd been a victim of that.
0: You don't want to lose your voice, basically.
2: You, yeah, you lose your company, you lose your voice, you lose the vision. And someone's like, Hey, why don't we just put like cheese on the menu? And maybe we'll just put a, like a beef burger too. Cause get more people yeah. to come into the door and you're, Oh, you're, you're
1: yeah, what, what if they're bringing their non-vegan friends? Yeah.
2: And then what, like, what are they gonna eat? like we'll have to bring in a beef or just have one beef burger. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? yeah And all yeah, of a sudden yeah. you're like your mission and your vision is just gone. And then your base is just like, man, like I thought this was a vegan company. And now you guys are like selling cheese, like yeah, total Popeyes. sellout. And then you just, You lose, you just lose it all, right? Like, what's the point of even doing it? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that a VC would do that, but I'm just giving an example of like, theoretically something that they could do. Well, now it becomes possible. Exactly, right, totally. Like, they're not vegan, like, what do they care? You know what I mean? So, um, for them, it's like, can they make money and can they get out? You know, like, what's the the next liquidity event that they can get the return? They they, they only have a certain amount of time to get a return, right? Mm -hmm. So, for us, we're in this for the long run. Like, like I'm like never selling my shares, like we're mm-hmm. in this forever. Right. So for us, like there is no end game. This is it. Right? So like, we're not just trying to like, you know, make the value go up so we can cash out. So I can go buy, like, you know, not trying to get acquired like, by another company or yeah. Yeah, and just so we can go and buy like a Lamborghini and a big house. Like that stuff doesn't matter to me. You know or my wife right so we work we're, we're we're entirely like mission driven and and That's awesome. out to make a change right because honestly like what's what's life about what's what's it all about anyway right so yeah. um so anyway this, and- yeah <laughs> I mean, for some people it is <laughs> not judging but <laughs> <laughs> not judging but uh i, I mean you know maybe, Maybe I'll run with sometime, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's not about that. Right. And I I think, I think these days, like people are just so sick of, of seeing like people just sell out and people just like the the hypocrisy and like all this kind of stuff. And it is, it's kind of, it is maddening a little bit. Right. So we really wanted to, and we wanted to be that, like that, that public company that is different. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think we are, I think people that know who we are and know who we are, know that we are different. And, and um, you know, we wanted to be supported directly by the people, right? Like, uh, and when you're a public company, anyone can invest in you anytime. Mm-hmm. Like someone can just go buy our company tomorrow. You don't have to go and do like a private placement or to, you don't have to do like, you don't have to be like an accredited investor. You don't have to be like all these things. Right. right so right. we all of a sudden we make ourselves completely accessible to anyone that wants to believe in our vision from anywhere in the world which is what I love about being a public company. Like that yeah. to me is what it's all about is that if you believe in what we're doing and you think it's the future in what we're doing and our vision, you can invest. It doesn't even matter if you tried our food, right? So mm-hmm. um, so this is, this is what's so cool about it. And you, you take that control away from those, you know, the big VC conglomerates and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying that they're not right for somebody. They're just not right for us. That's all. Are you ready for a tough question? Sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, one of the things that's always, that seems to plague, uh, like the smaller startup companies is, uh, uh liquidity inducing events, uh, such as like cash raises, mm-hmm. uh, how is your finances looking for like the foreseeable future? And do you anticipate having to, uh, sell company shares in order to do any fundraising in the future?
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, well, I mean, I, I guess I can start with this. Um, so we had a record sales month last mm-hmm. month, right. In October, which we announced which is awesome. Like blue yeah. I mean, we, we almost did as much revenue, I think as we did in the previous quarter. So, oh, uh, wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, so it, there's some crazy, there's some crazy growth, obviously with what we're doing. So I'm happy about that. But, but you know, I mean, I guess d- generally speaking um, my goal is to never, you know, try to dilute shareholders, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm the biggest one. And Man, I'm going right. to suffer the most. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it along with everyone else. Right. But at the same time, you know, we are still considered in, in many ways, a startup, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on venture exchange. We are a venture company. It's meant for smaller companies that are kind of up and coming. So, you know, is it possible that at some point in the future, we're going to, you know, we're going to issue shares and do a capital raise? Sure. You know, that's lots of, lots of companies do that in the public space. Do we want to do that? No, of course not. You know, our, we are focused on making our company profitable, Mm -hmm. right? And reducing as much as possible, our need for liquidity events, right? So, because really, I mean, we want to fund our company completely by our revenue growth. And the great thing about franchising, you know, is that we can, uh, we can accomplish that. In many ways uh, that 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 growth without significant capital contributions because right. the franchisees are funding that 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 growth yeah they're basically you know they and, and the cool thing too in Canada anyway is that there is, uh, we and we just launched a new program actually with a big bank here in Canada, CIBC, is that we can that uh, through this partnership we can finance up to ninety percent of the build buildout cost of our franchise. So, which is pretty cool. You got to think like, wow, I can I can start a restaurant for ten percent, and it's a government-backed loan on top of it to boot. Wow. So, um, if you if you default, the government is basically taking, uh, uh, is, is, is securing most of those funds without any personal liability or minimal personal liability. So. Hmm. So that is really cool. So, um, so I mean, I guess I, I don't know, I guess I hope that answers your question. Um, so I kind of like, yeah,
0: just, there's cool. been a few that uh, we've been asked to talk about where I go and pull up their financials and I see that they've been issuing shares every quarter for like the last year, for sure. Or two years. I, like, uh, I don't want to talk about these
2: guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it another plant-based company? By the answer? No, no, no. That's no. no. oh, just, okay. uh, it, it,
0: before we were getting people reaching out to us, uh, when we had to try to find people to interview, or oh, okay. talk about, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> Cause we, uh, we, we have the same kind of vision for our show as you do for your company. Like we want to be honest uh, with, you know, everything that we do and everything that we look at. And you know, that's one of the most important things that drives, you know, the creation of this content. So oh, totally. we don't want to talk to anybody and be disingenuous about it either.
2: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Exactly. No, I, I, I agree. And I think, I think it's, and I think it's so important, especially, you know, um, running a public company, having investors that are, you know, believing in your vision is like, you have to have that honesty. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to communicate that, you know, to your investors because at the end of the day, like everyone understands, like things aren't going to go perfect all the time. Like there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be setbacks. It's okay to have that. Right? right. I think as long as you have like a solid team, and you have, like, people that are doing the right things and, you know, people that are, like, spending money wisely and making good decisions and doing, you know, like, pushing the company forward in a good path, mm-hmm. right? I think that's all, as, as an investor, like, what more can you ask for, right? Um, I think of, I think of as, as a management team, if we're executing and we're performing and, you know, we're, we're overcoming those, those obstacles and we're admitting our mistakes and just owning them, I think that's super important.
0: Well, I think you uh, you're off to a great start already getting through the the COVID era.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been yeah. crazy, definitely a crazy time to, to launch a restaurant, uh, a public publicly traded restaurant. But I think um, <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess to the I guess you know our, our success just is a testament to to our model, right? So um,
1: yeah, I think you got a great model there. Yeah, uh,
0: not, not only that, but I think like being able to take an experience from three years ago and be able to learn and improve and set yourself. I mean, people call you lucky for, for uh, changing your structure the way you did in order to kind of mm-hmm. be in the position that you were when COVID hit. But I, I disagree with that. I think that you.
1: I think it's forward thinking.
0: You took a, yeah, you, yes. You took an ex, a, a situation that happened. You, you came up with a plan to make sure that it didn't happen again because you were thinking that way rather than just trying to limp your way through
2: it. Totally.
0: You're able to come out on top.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think as entrepreneurs, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of what we do. Like you look at something and it's like, man, I can't believe this happened. This is just a brutal thing that's happening. Like how to, you know, why I'm in this situation. And as, as, as good entrepreneurs, you know, real entrepreneurs, you should be able to take all these things and look at them as a growth opportunity because in the end of the day, if we didn't have that, that, yeah, it was a hard, tough year when -hmm. that road was closed. But if we didn't have that experience, we would not have grown, the way we did, and we would not have focused on the technology at the time when we did. Right, you know what I mean. And that it's it's if things go smooth and everything's great, then you don't change. You don't change. It doesn't create change, right? Like mm-hmm. we only change something when we have to or when we need to, right? Like so, it's it's kind of like I always view these setbacks as like, as like a real opportunity to like grow and learn and evolve and like make it better, make us stronger, and make her more make us more, more resilient. You know and I think like I think that's just how entrepreneurs think and you know I mean um, people that that people other people you know that that don't have that skill set um, those things can make them fail
0: right mm-hmm. well said so so moving on to the the plan then for the future yeah 20 locations next year is the uh, is the plan you so you mentioned New York is one of the possible places are there any other uh, areas that are that are on your radar that you're trying to, to get into
2: well yeah, well, as I said, like like we're we're still looking for a spot in New York. Um, but th- but that being said, um, we're also looking at other spots in the states. We've been looking in Michigan. We've been looking in L.A. We're looking in Chicago. We're looking in Seattle. Uh, we've been talking to lots of U.S. franchisees as well, potential mm-hmm. franchisees. So right now, uh, what we're doing is we're we're getting ourselves ready for like a U- big U.S. franchising initiative, big U.S. franchising push. So our legal documents are getting prepared and that kind of stuff. We're going to be registering in some states and we're going to be doing a big franchise push. But but uh but in canada right now you know we are we have a a ton of franchising interest mm-hmm. um we are you know we have we have more franchisees coming um uh, we are going we're in um you know uh, we're in Calgary. We have a spot in Calgary, a franchise in Calgary. Uh, we have another one we have in, in Ottawa. And as I said, we have more coming. So we, we also have, you know, three more uh, sites in Ontario under development. So I think right now we're, we're up to around 11 or 12 sites that are either operational or, or in under development. So the, the goal here is to get, get us, you know, eight or nine more sites, uh, franchisees set up for next year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from that base, uh, and hopefully the goal is to have one of those, at least one of those in the U.S. market. And from that, you know, really the next year, just push it like crazy through a franchising model and just, you know, take this thing everywhere.
0: That sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, I got a quick question about Calgary. Is Calgary basically like the Texas of Canada or? Yes. Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's what I
2: thought. I just yeah. wanted to clear that up. That's something that's been
0: gnawing <laughs> at me all day. But here, you
2: know what? <laughs> I, I guess we're used to uh, for, from going to rib fest. You know, it's like we're we're used to be we're used to being around that. Uh, in fact, you know, it was, it was funny because like we were so successful at that one rib fest, is we ended up having all the other rib Fests in Ontario like reach out to us and like beg us to come to their rib festival too. Really, and it was mind blowing. It's like here they are like running a, a celebration of. Literally killing animals, <laughs> right? <laughs> Celebrating the, the, the slaughter of
1: thousands of animals—the antithesis of your corporate mission,
2: right? <laughs> right? And they're like, "Please, please come to our festival and help us veganize it." It's like mind blowing, and you know, we did. We 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 were at we were went to we ended up going to a bunch of other festivals with our food truck. But, uh, but, you know, it, it was from that where I saw it was interesting where, you're, where you end up having demand in the strangest places. Like, you don't think that would work. You don't think, like, oh, a plant-based food truck at a meat festival works. But then you got to think, like, like yeah, sure, there's, like... The fact that it does work makes me all the more excited to, to see
0: where your company goes.
2: Yeah, totally, right? Because if you can succeed there, like, yeah, you right. can succeed anywhere, right? So, um, for us, like, going to Texas and going to those places, like, that, I, I know I know there's huge demand there. I just know it. You can make it in Texas. You can
0: make it anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> <the same>. right. <laughs> I, uh, I,
1: I haven't tried an odd burger. It's, it's added to my list of something I have to try. But when I was on your website looking at your plant protein guide, and is it pronounced se- seitan?
2: Saitan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, there's, a, there's a Chinese place in Tucson that has uh, seitan meat. Like it's a veggie option, but it's beef and broccoli. And I can't tell the fucking difference. Oh, cool. I just cannot tell the difference. Like, yeah. I even, I even went wow. and got two of them and, and closed my eyes, and I couldn't tell which plate I was being
2: fed. Really? It, it's, it's an amazing protein because it's also so natural, which is, which is what I love about it. Like, when you are... So, so basically, the, the, the core of seitan is a substance called vital wheat gluten. And um, basically, what you do is you take, like, wheat, like flour right? Mm-hmm. And you wash out all of the starch. You basically just like, it, it's essentially just washing it. And in fact, you can do it at home. Like you can take like, you can take like, like you can take like flour and put it in, there's some, there's some TikTok videos up there you can, you can check out, but basically you take a flour, you just wash it, keep washing, keep rinsing it out. And you form this ball. And if you keep like rinsing the ball, eventually all the starch gets out until the water goes almost clear. And eventually what you're left with is just the protein basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a, it's a super natural pro. It's a very natural protein, right? And, and it's, it's what I love about it. And, you know, the, 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 um, the things that you can make with the versatility is incredible. Like we, we do everything from breakfast sausages, uh, breakfast sausages to like chicken to, you know, burgers, like everything in between. Um, it's, it's kind of like uh, a core, a core thing for us, but, um, hmm. and it goes back like thousands of years. It's like, this is like nothing new. So yeah, the Chinese figured this out a long time ago. So yeah. I guess <laughs> <we're> just. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like uh you know discovering it or whatever
1: i tried to ask them how they made it and they didn't know what what the hell i was trying to ask them
0: <laughs> yeah well, it sounds like you just gotta go to tiktok it's like
1: what's in that <laughs> fake meat and they're like it's fake meat i'm
0: like but what's in it like <laughs> fake
1: meat that's what's in it ancient fake meat did you know
0: <laughs> ancient chinese fake meat <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally that's funny well, fantastic well dan i'm out of questions you got anything else uh, for our guest
1: well, yeah, that was that was it. I just want to talk about the, the types of meat and and express my very sincere interest to to munch on uh, one of their preposterous patties or the famous burger.
0: So they need one in Tucson for you then.
1: For me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it would do. Yeah. You know what? There are probably some places in Tucson.
0: I bet it would do really well in Tucson.
1: Yeah. James, we got to start a franchise with you. We got to make that happen. Done. Let's,
2: let's do it. <laughs> well, and, and you know, you know, the th- you know, the thing is like, like, I, I guess the easiest way of describing our menu is like, or I, I guess success is like, when you bite into our famous burger, right? When you, when you bite into it or you you know take a bite of our fry supreme or whatever what it does and this is how i and what it, this is, it does the same thing for me or what this is how i know we have the right taste or flavor is that it immediately brings me back to like a childhood experience or experience you know that i had as a teenager like eating fast food because yeah, um, mm-hmm. i mean personally i i didn't eat a lot of fast food when i was a, an official adult i guess <laughs> you know so i just um <laughs> I kind Of, like, for whatever reason, I was like, ah, I don't, you know, and and uh, this is before, you know, when I was eating meat, I still didn't eat, didn't eat a lot of fast food, just kind of like, I don't know, I was just like, I didn't like how it was super processed. Just, I don't know, just trying to, like, I guess, be a responsible adult. <laughs> Let's call it that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but you know, the thing is, like, we still in the back of our minds and and we still have those connections to those flavors, right? Mm-hmm. And what and what the, the crazy thing is, like, when you don't have that for like 10 years. And all of a sudden you have it again and you can eat it you're like oh man like I'm going to eat this and and I, and I don't have to feel bad about eating it I could just like enjoy the flavor again it is so liberating that experience because you're like, man, I have not had this in so many years and this is even better than I remember it, you know? And there's something crazy about giving yourself permission to basically eat unlimited fast food. Like, it's just a it's a crazy liberating experience. <laughs> it's just like, you feel like free again. You know what I mean? Like, because we're so yeah. used to like shaming ourselves and guilting ourselves. Like, oh man, I disappointed myself today. I just like, I went to, I went to you know, what, fast food restaurant XYZ and I just like, I don't know, I feel like crap. And I just like... Disappointed? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna gonna make it up tomorrow and eat better. Or I'll have a salad for lunch or something. You know what I mean? Like, and when you take that away, all of a sudden you become this free person again, right? Mm-hmm. Because we we put ourselves in these like these shackles of like you know health shackles. Because I mean I don't know. I feel like as you get older, like health becomes more important. You know, it's just like when you're a teenager, you will eat anything, right? <laughs> Who cares, right? right. But well, you as get older, you're like, <laughs> man, like I'm gonna get fat if I keep eating this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just that. It's just that, um, you know, f- from a health point of view, um, you know, it's, there's, there's, you know, I mean, there's issues with, with that, right? So, so I think like, if what we're really, we're, we're kind of offering is that, that, that idea that, you know, you, you can, you can sort of like, you know, have that, have that indulgent experience and, and feel, feel good about it. And I don't think any other fast food chain is really doing that. And I think people, I think there's certain chains that tap into that a little bit, but not in the same way of nostalgia. Right, mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah, like you know, sure, you can go to like uh, Chipotle and have like a burrito, and yeah, it's healthier, but you don't. There's nothing nostalgic about that, you know what I mean? There's nothing like that brings you back to your childhood, but um, you know, but when when you when you have so many items from a menu, anywhere from like milkshakes to like hot fudge sundaes to like breakfast sandwiches to you know, I mean, even uh, and, and, you, and you have those those kind of experiences. You're like, man, like this is like something that is totally unique in the world, which is kind of what a burger is. And why I think that we're going to be so successful and that this is going to be like this very big, uh, very big chain that will, I think will, will be like kind of like that fast food revolution. Cause it's like, it's like fast food in this new dimension. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I love it. it.
0: I'm I'm looking at the vegan French fries and I can't tell the difference. Just looking at the picture.
2: Yeah. No. Oh, totally. I'm I mean, just kidding. Yeah. No.
0: Like, the uh, rest of the food looks really good. Oh, <laughs> the vegan fries.
1: <DEFRAX, laughs> yes, folks. If this vision speaks to you, the stock ticker is ODDAF. I'm assuming is odd as fuck. Is that what it stands for?
2: That's that's exactly what it stands for. <laughs> I, was, I, was wondering if if the, I was wondering if the exchange was going to like uh, was going to allow us to, to to name it that. But oh, um, you really did that. That is. It's intentional, it's yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That actually was oh, intentional. That's <laughs> hilarious. Oh, I love it. And uh, <laughs> I was like, because because the thing is, our our ticker had to end with F because we're like a foreign company, mm-hmm. I guess. So I'm like, I mean, of course, we're odd as fuck, right? Obviously, yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> odd. Like, <laughs> so to me, it makes sense. And these- vegan ribs at a rib festival—that's odd as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally. It is. so we, we got the thumbs up from the exchange so i guess uh, i guess they didn't notice but
0: uh, well yeah. they're probably too stuffy
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly they, they would they probably didn't didn't see the uh
0: did, didn't see right. it coming so all right james uh you remind us uh where we can everyone can find you uh websites uh anything else you want to share with the listeners before we go
2: yeah like i mean uh obviously check our website GlobeLocal local uh sorry dot we were called global local actually um i forgot to mention that um but uh, we're all and you can, um, you can also find us on Instagram at a fast food. And then obviously if you want franchising info, that's, that's all on our website as well. So um, definitely just check it out. Uh, yeah. We're on Twitter too. Yep. So All right. Awesome. Um,
0: so we'll make sure we have links to all that stuff in the episode description. If, uh, in case anybody didn't quite catch all that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll send over those links to you.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, James. This has been a great conversation and I got to say I really feel like your business model is a game changer. You're marching towards the future and I got to say, well, job
0: well done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We, we're we doing the yes. best we can to make those changes. So, hopefully, uh, as a meat eater, I'm
0: interested in checking this out. Hey, so. that's, that's success. That's, that's all it. we can yeah. ask for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks for sticking with us to the end. Check out those links in the description. Thanks again to James. And uh, until next time, happy trades. Bye.